0: Hey friends, this is Jessica Levity Day Lover, reminding you that you are not alone on the polyamorous path. If you're looking for peer support or coaching on your non-monogamous journey and you want to work with the day lovers, head to remodeledlove.com and book with us today. Content warning. This episode contains brief mentions of trauma, intimate partner violence, and sexual violence. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new. I fall in love just a little, oh, a little bit every day with someone new. You're listening to Remodeled, the podcast. Remodeled is a project whose goal is to expand the cultural narrative on healthy relationships in order to include ethical non-monogamy, non-partnered, asexual, open, and more we are here to redefine love i fall in love just a little a little bit every day with someone new i fall in love just a little a little bit every day with someone new hey everyone and welcome to remodel the podcast season two the unedited season that means we are live and today i am so excited to be sitting down with one of my Instagram mutuals. I love dropping the word mutuals. It's Sydney Ray Chin. Hello. Hi.
1: I can't believe we like found each other. What like three weeks ago or something like two, three weeks ago. I don't even know.
0: What is time even anymore? I have no idea. Honestly, I don't even know what
1: day it is sometimes. And I'm like, uh, okay. (laughs)
0: Literally like the last time I had a job, like where I worked for someone else was radio in 2017. And in radio, I constantly knew what day it was because all day long, all I was doing was naming files with the date. Mm -hmm. And ever since I left that job, I have stepped out of space and time. Um, So I want to start with a quick, I always do a privilege and identity check. Um, So I would love for you to introduce yourself um, with, you know, your privileges and your identities, so that people can can contextualize this interview from the space of knowing our identities.
1: All right. My name is Sydney. I use they, she pronouns. I am a non-binary East Asian femme. And so some of the privileges that I have within the Asian diaspora space include Um, Being Han Chinese, being a light-skinned, East Asian, um, non-Black, cis-assumed, like people will assume that I'm a woman. So even though I'm not, also being straight-assumed, depending on who I'm out with. So if I'm out with my anchor, I'm definitely going to be (laughs) straight-assumed. Happens a lot. Um, I also have the privilege of being in long-term therapy and have been in long-term therapy for like, what, three years now? Coming up. Or next year will be three years. Uh oh God. I was like doing this earlier for PowerPoint. And now I'm like, uh, what other privileges am I missing? Oh, being educated in a Western rich democratic country too. I went to private school from six through twelve and like a four-year college as well. Um, that was also private. Uh God, what else? Oh, I grew up upper middle class. Um so I benefit a lot from that socioeconomically and like, and now that I'm in this transition time, I like have a really good safety net cushion of parents to like fall back on.
0: Right on. Do you identify on the disabled spectrum or the neurotypical or neurodivergent spectrum at all? Yes. Oh my God. I almost forgot. <laughs> like, I mean, and that's on brand, right? <laughs> I know. Right. Cause
1: I'm, I'm having a, like, I've been having PTSD flare ups lately because of processing shit, but, uh. Yeah, I am disabled. I live with PTSD and anxiety and depression. Gotta love those double, like triple whammy. Of, <laughs> mm-hmm, totally. Of uh, mental health. Yeah, that's all. But I'm also at the same time able body presenting because I also live with a, uh, like physical disabilities that like somewhat, what's it called? Somewhat like limit me, but not really. But like most people see me and are like, oh, you must be able body, but that's not. That's not like necessarily the case in all cases. But yeah, I am able body presented and assumed to a lot of people mm, until I tell well, them that I have a heart condition and that I've had a heart condition my entire life. And then they're like, Oh, I feel so sorry for you. I'm like, I've lived with this my entire life. I think I'm good.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate the way my guests like really dive into the privilege and identity question, because you could just tell that we're all on the same wavelength. And the fact that we understand why that's even fucking important in the first place.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Also, I'm so, glad that you do that. So, oh, thank you. So tell me, like, I want to start this interview with you reach out to me a couple weeks ago and you're like, I don't know why, but we need to collab. And I am dying to know like what. Pulled on your heartstrings to be like, I want to collab with this girl because I am so flattered.
1: So you added me to your close friend story. And then I really related to what you were sharing there as a survivor myself and as like someone who like jealousy is just so what's it called? Stigmatized in the polyamorous community. And it just does not, I hate how stigmatized it is. And as a survivor, like in mainstream polyamorous education, people make jealousy seem like this like evil thing. And it's only for like evil people. And I'm like, no, no, no. Y'all we're missing nuances here. And yeah, so totally. when I saw that story that you posted on your close friend story, I really resonated with it. And I was like, holy shit, this was me three, two years ago. Um, And or, or even a year ago when I stopped being friends with my ex-partner, thank God, for a lot of reasons. Um, and so I, I wanted to reach out to you and was like, well, I don't know what Jess is going to say, but <laughs> you know what? I might as well take the shot. See what well, happens.
0: I love it. And what you're referring to. So on my close friends list, which is like a behind the scenes, look at my life um, through Patreon. So there's, I have a Patreon level that People can get access to my close friends um, on Instagram, but then I also added my mutuals and my fellow, like some of my favorite creators as well. And so I was talking about a core wound that I have that has just been coming up for me, but when is my core wound not coming up is the question. Um, But like, I just, you know, am sitting, I feel like I'm a bit stuck in time from a recent breakup that I went through and the universe just has a way of having me confront Uh, the core wound that that relationship represented over and over. And then we bonded over our core wound. And then I realized, like, um, I actually received a lot of messages on that story of, um, you know, women, femmes, um, AFABs who experienced a very similar shunning around the time that we were teenagers, Um, and then the way that that has manifested in our relationships later on. So I, I felt really vulnerable posting that story, even though it was like, just quote unquote, just to my close friends list, but it actually ended up bringing me a lot closer with, with people who follow me. Yeah.
1: And that's why I like connected with you. And I was like, holy shit, you get this experience. Cause like, I had that experience in middle school and high school where like, like in heterosexual terms, God, I hate using that, but like. For the sake of like where I was in that point in my life, heteronormativity, like boys were not into me, like it was just not going on until college. And that was like, not necessarily a culture shock, because that's not the right (laughs) word, but something similar to that of like a, holy shit, I'm actually hot. What?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Totally. Same Z's. Um, so when we, so we had a brainstorming meeting cause we we're like, okay, we want to collab. We want to do a podcast, but what the hell do we want to talk about? And then the conversation just unfolded from there. And there was a part of me that was like, fuck, we should have just recorded that brainstorming. <laughs> <meeting>. <laughs> so I'm hoping that we can recreate it here. And I know that we can. But what we started talking about was, so let's talk about your Instagram. I know you're taking a break from Instagram right now, um, but you are a content creator on Instagram. What do you feel like your expertise is? I feel like my expertise
1: is in like storytelling to like, you know, to like every people like myself and also like reels because I love reels. I, I I went to film school, so obviously I fucking love reels. But um, I feel like my expertise in like the content that I create has been shifting lately. It used to be in survivorship, but eh, that shit doesn't bring me joy anymore. It just doesn't. Like I like to do it on like a every now and then basis because like it's important and informs my work in polyamory. But like I don't like talking about survivorship all the time. Um, but. When I shifted towards polyamory content and content around non-monogamy, like I found so much more joy and like, I am very (laughs) anti-capitalist. hell yeah and very left-leaning in my politics and so that's what I like like talking about a lot and talking about how polyamory has brought me joy after abuse which is not uh I feel like a narrative that you hear a lot in the polyamorous community because mm. like because <laughs> uh, how we see jealousy as a community is very binary and it's not serving anyone well in my opinion <laughs>
0: See, and like, this was like our entire brainstorming session was you saying shit and then me being like, unpack that for me and just getting slayed. So can you unpack what you just said about, um, the way that we see jealousy in this very binary way and how it's not serving anyone?
1: Like, it's like saying that there's good and bad people, which I'm like, okay, that's a very, very like binary colonial way of thinking as well. If we're Mm -hmm. also going to put that out there and be
0: explicit about like that was in white supremacy. (laughs) Yes, absolutely, and we have to be because our entire matrix, our entire reality, is formed in that, and we're not going to dismantle it if we don't call it out. So please call that shit out.
1: And so, what I've noticed in the polyamory community and polyamorous like content creators, not all of them, obviously, but like a good some of them talk about jealousy as if it's like this bad thing, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. People have trauma. As someone who's survived multiple times of intimate partner violence and sexual violence. Like I have a shitload of trauma that roots in jealousy (laughs) and that roots from jealousy. And also inherently being an Asian femme, I've been passed over for white, cis woman, my entire fucking life. Like that's just the truth. And we're going to talk about more, more of that later. Cause I have a lot to get into with survivorship industrial complex on instagram because it's been pissing me the fuck off lately um and so like when we think about it in that way it's not serving anyone it's making people feel bad and feel shame about their jealousy instead of just like having a conversation around the nuances around like jealousy and intersections of trauma because trauma Mm. is so real and like we got to talk about that if we're talking about sexuality and that (laughs) also roots to consent culture which is not something that exists at
0: least on this land that we're on Uh, literally. Yeah. Well, and God, there's just so many directions that I want to go in with you. But one of the things that we were talking about was like, you have all of these really, I don't even want to say profound. I mean, they are profound, but they shouldn't be profound. They should be fucking obvious, but you have all these really powerful critiques of the culture you're finding as a content creator on Instagram. Um, And yeah, we're going to get to what we, you and I deemed the survivorship industrial complex for, content creators on instagram we're going to get to that later i want to start with you first talked about the entrepreneurial culture on instagram and the issues you had with that well first of all so my like friends of color and i um we
1: like had a conversation in this like container so like i obviously can't go into details but we, basically we're all complaining about like how everyone who's an online business is now trying to sell to online businesses and i'm like oh y'all this is a pyramid screen scheme
0: scheme, not scream well I guess it could be that too that's Um, a perfect Freudian slip to be honest it's literally a pyramid scheme like let me sell you how to sell how to sell how to sell
1: yeah and that's also what's been annoying me and also again this binary of like you need to either be an entrepreneur or go to nine to five and being in a nine to five makes you like evil for one in like stability and shit. And like, I'm in this transitionary period where like I'm taking a step back from my business. Cause that's what I need to do right now to safeguard, not only my mental health first and foremost, but also like there's just more stability in nine to five. And like my anchor <laughs> brought up this idea of like going into tech. And then I was like, eh, I'm not sure. Like, they brought it up twice and I was like, eh, I'm not sure. Eh, eh, we'll see. <laughs> then, then, after the third time and thinking, in a trip to New York, nonetheless, um, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go find a job because this is what I need to do in this season of my life. Yeah. But in the entrepreneurial realm on Instagram, it's so vilified. And I'm like, it doesn't need to be vilified. People have needs. <laughs> People have needs and they need their needs to be met. And right now, online businesses, I feel like, are oversaturated. And again, selling you this, like, you have to be perfect. And you have to do this, that, and the other to, like, be a business owner. And I'm like, you don't have to do any of that to be a business owner.
0: Well, and just like like you said, like, some of us are trying to survive this capitalist hellscape. And sometimes getting a 9-to-5 job provides the stability so that you can even have the creativity to approach the Instagram entrepreneurial culture at all. Mm -hmm. And like when I saw
1: like one of my Instagram friends get a nine to five, I was like, oh, this is an option for me. Like (laughs) I can do that, what? And so that like changed my whole mindset when I saw that happen. Then I saw a few other people get nine to fives and I'm like, oh, okay, This 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 is an option for me. I'm gonna do this. And so I've already been on the job hunt for like 10 days intentionally and like have had four, three or four calls. I had a, like a call earlier with someone in cannabis tech. And even though there's not an open role at that particular company that I was looking at right now, that fits for me. They were like, Oh, send me your resume. Like we would love to see you at this company.
0: And I'm like, yes. Oh my God, dream life. <laughs> Well, and I just feel like right now, like in specifically within the realms that you have created content in, which is like polyamory survivorship, like you said, there's, It quickly goes from like, I am creating content for education to I am creating a product to sell you. And I feel like millennials and Gen Z, we can feel, we can feel that we're being sold something and it makes us resist. And it's just like, you were talking about people sliding into your DMS, like cold DMing you. And it's just like, what are we doing? Yeah.
1: Like it's different to connect on a story or like a thought, like that's different. That's not selling. That's just having a conversation and building Mm -hmm. community, which is great Great. and which I totally love. But having people ask me in my DMs when I explicitly put in my boundaries, hey, no DMs unless we're in a mutual space together. I know you, like we've talked, like I've been in some virtual space with you. Like, cool, that's fine. Cool, because I like know what your vibes are. But if you're just coming at me with like, hey, hey, this is a product. Like, no, I don't want to buy it. Also, I know myself better than you know me too. And so like when someone sells me a product, I'm just like, I'm not a fucking number. I am a person.
0: Yeah, I feel like this. I feel like social media just changed the way that like our generation and Gen Z like consumes things. Like we don't necessarily want to be just feeling like the direction is just coming at us. It's like you better in, pull us in with your content, pull us in with what you're putting out there, and let it sell itself.
1: Also, like in the sex ed field, I feel like there's been an oversaturation of like white cis women mostly <laughs> going into the field during the pandemic, and like it's all about toys and fun. But I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pleasure's important. Don't get me wrong but also we got to talk about the hard shit too. Like there's not, you can't just have one thing when it comes to sexuality because it's so nuanced. And that's, what's also been pissing me off about a bunch of white people just coming in during the pandemic and are like, I'm going to start a business. And obviously it depends on like your particular intersections and privileges or disadvantages or or not disadvantages or like things that your system impacted, not disadvantages. Don't really like that word, but like what really what systems that you're impacted by oh i also learned that word at slam 2020 so shout out to all the presenters at slam 2020 because uh, i learned a lot from that conference but yeah like i see all these white cis het women going into the sexuality field i'm like Yo, what and especially dating coaches those are the entrepreneurs that piss me the fuck off <laughs> On TikTok, that's why I had to get off of TikTok, because there's a bunch of people giving badass, not badass, bad, very, very bad, asinine relationship advice that no one should be given, like, very gendered as well, which I'm like, okay, but how about for the people that don't fit into the binary? Mm Mm-hmm. And like, I'm just like, this is not helpful relationship advice. You're just making everyone anxious and trying to sell your product. And it's bootlicking the patriarchy as well. It is. Oh my God. Okay. On TikTok, there's Canada's dating coach or whatever. And like, she didn't trigger warning a a, a TikTok that she did about abuse, which I was like, what the fuck? You need to trigger warn that. Also, if you're a dating coach, why aren't you in the sexuality space and at least affiliating with us in the sexuality space? That's a problem. I think that's a major problem of a lot of also trauma coaches, too. I'm just like, consent is part of sexuality? Are we missing something here? If you're talking about boundary setting, that has a lot to do with sexuality. So why aren't you like talking about people being Shadow banned and literally kicked off the app. And this is mainly Black and Indigenous trans sex workers on Instagram and also sex educators that are impacted the most. But no, 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 they're going to go pretty by trauma and pretty by dating. And I'm like, none of
0: this is good advice. Stop giving advice. Just yeah, to I, stop. I, you know, like um, us. Cis white women have no idea what intersectionality even means because we don't navigate our lives in an intersectional mind frame. And if we do, in the places that we do, we're not aware of it. So we're just out here, like anchoring down the patriarchy, anchoring down capitalism even more. And honestly, then we have the biggest platform because we're not, the algorithm isn't taking us down as often as it's taking down um, black and brown indigenous content creators who have to watch the words that they say. We have, you know, they have to say six instead of sex or the algorithm's going to kick them off and ban them. And all these people have all these backup accounts and all us white creators just have no fucking idea because the algorithm isn't racist toward us.
1: Yeah. And it's just like, That's what's been, that's why I also needed to take a break from Instagram. Cause I'm like, this is like, I want to see my friend's stuff, but because of the algorithm, I don't get to see my friend's stuff. I get to see random stuff about people selling to me and I'm just fucking sick of it. I don't need to be sold to. I'll come to you if I want your product.
0: I'll come to you if I want your product. That is the slogan for Gen Z and millennials right there. So this is a perfect segue because you dropped consent a couple of times. So in our conversation, you were talking about, you have some critique of the social media spaces where you think the consent conversation is missing. So let's head in that direction. And I just want you to go off. Okay, so- like
1: has anyone okay so people have watched the social dilemma okay spoilers if you don't want to hear the spoilers skip this part anyways so I watched the social dilemma like a year ago because I was bored it was quarantine (laughs) I didn't know what to do during the first time so I watched it and I learned so much and then I realized all these apps are fucking manipulating us I don't want to be a fucking product data point or whatever or these big companies, Facebook, which now owns Instagram. And so like, there's just inherent lack of consent there. We're not given consent. We're being manipulated through these ass, which pisses me the fuck off, which is also like, okay, then how am I supposed to like, Oh, make a living. But also like, it's a catch 22 double edged sword situation. And so like, That is like the first thing missing from consent culture that we don't, that a lot of even consent educators don't really talk about, which is surprising because you would think that we would talk more about social media. I also happen to have a whole social media class. If y'all want to check that out, obviously up to you. If you vibe with it, cool. Feel free to buy it. There you go. um,
0: If you vibe with it, cool. That's the freaking slogan right there. But yeah, like
1: there's that missing from the consent Culture conversation and also like some of the creators that I've seen in the survivorship realm. So I'm just going to call her out. I don't care. She has 84K followers. So if she loses any, cool, whatever. um Because uh, <laughs> I've heard things from other uh, people of color that I've talked to about this creator. Who
0: is it? Let's call him out. I'm Blumen an Indian with Emmy. Emmy.
1: Blooming with it? Emmy. Blooming with Emmy. Yeah. She has pastel right shit or whatever, and so she made this post about what was it? It was like being an object in someone's life, or like, or like, oh, that's right. Entity. And I was so pissed about that because we were talking, and it was written on our collab call. And uh, so the critique that I have about that, that also ties into consent culture, is that femmes of color, people of color, we don't consent to being objectified. I don't consent to my body being objectified by white supremacy and that's also a problem with survivorship creators because some of them don't realize that and there's like this narrow view of consent that's again white cishet woman perpetuating this
0: yeah so she calls herself so it's blooming with emmy she's got eighty two thousand followers she calls herself trauma coach here to help you feel safe, happy, and empowered after abuse and trauma. And then all of her content is this fluffy, duffy, like kind of positive thinking, like don't don't choose to be a victim.
1: Yeah, sure. which is also inherently victim blaming people when we think about it that way, which also is a problem because that's not part of consent culture. That's not the nuance that I've seen from, creators of color particularly disabled survivor abolitionists she's not talking about dismantling systems no she's not at at all all. actually i i searched for or i i was looking at her stories when the shootings in Atlanta happened because i was like okay so who are the survivor educators talking about this that are white i need to know if they're not also i want to call them out because i'm just that type of person i don't give a fuck I don't give a fuck if you have more followers than me. I don't care. Because sometimes when I know the truth from my own experiences, I'm just going to say shit. And I'm going to let you know. (laughs) Whether it's through my friends or whatever. And so she didn't post anything. And I was just like, how can you talk about trauma and then not mention this? This is a traumatic ass thing that happened to these people, to these women and their families. But you're not going to... No, no room for that. No room for that. Only for pretty fine trauma. And I'm like, okay, yes, I understand empowerment after trauma. I totally get that. I'm a survivor, as I said before, of multiple instances of sexual and intimate partner violence. I totally get that. Like, yes, we deserve to feel happy as survivors. That's an inherent right to feel joy and to feel pleasure. But also when you're ignoring systemic shit like that, that's a no-go for me. (laughs) And that ties into consent culture because you can't talk about consent without talking about the systems of oppression that we need to dismantle and that already exist and impact people. Mm,
0: damn. Okay, so how should the consent conversation be happening? How, what are the intersections of the systemic violence and how does that tie in to the consent like what, what conversations should be having in a space where these conversations are being led by BIPOC fans. So like, I think even talking about apps and just like technology,
1: why that not anyone talk about that? That's also like where the lack of consensus coming up and causing people mental health shit to arise. I know that I've dealt with a lot of like anxiety and depression that's rooted straight from being on apps and that's why I'm like so happy that I'm taking an Instagram break and just looking at it from my desktop because it's so much less stressful to look at it there and then also just naming your privileges and naming that you might not know shit Mm -hmm. and also like when you write a post about like objects and someone being objectified if there's a critique fucking respond to it so Emmy, Mm -hmm. if you hear this podcast fucking respond to my critique and also you can then uh, roll me some money. Thank you very <laughs> much. Cause uh, I fucking yes. deserve it.
0: Yes, you do. Calling and... you
1: in. <laughs> nicely. I may add, I don't have to do it nicely, but I did nicely on your post.
0: I feel like as always, I mean, I start all of my podcast interviews with privilege and identity check for a reason. And I feel like if you are following a content creator in any space, whether that's survivorship, polyamory, relationship, trauma, whatever, if if that person is has any sort of privilege that you can see, especially white, and they're not talking about privilege and not examining that stuff in their content, do not follow. Yep.
1: But also the app makes it really fucking hard to do it. Because yeah, because the algorithm. And also makes. Mixed- Sometimes people follow random people and I'm like, I don't remember seeing you on my feed. When did I follow this person? Which is also, it's so fucking weird, which is also another uh, example of lack of consent within Instagram specifically. (laughs) Mm
0: totally and the explore feed on tiktok and instagram in general like um it's one thing to say like well you're consenting by being on the app but you don't have informed consent because we're not taught exactly how this algorithm is so insidious
1: yeah and really just like my for you page on tiktok why i had to take a break is because it made me anxious about my own relationship spaces in my life and i'm like and then i had to like coach or like calm myself down and tell myself Girl, there's nothing wrong. It's just social media making
0: narratives up in your head of insecurities that you already have. Which is what capitalism does in general. Because it makes a product out of the insecurity. So true. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. So I want to talk about. Um, we have about like fifteen minutes left. I want to talk about the survivorship industrial complex, which is what we decided to call this thing that you're noticing. Do you want to talk about what you feel like survivorship industrial complex is?
1: So what I've been noticing in the survivorship realm, as someone who used to work in that realm too. Is that it's just like a lot of just, it's just focused on trauma, 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 sad shit, sad shit, sad shit. And then the opposite is toxic positivity. where like, oh, perfect. You can be this. And this is how you're supposed to heal type of thing. And I'm just like, no,
0: no, 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 no. This is not it. This is not it. Yeah. A lot of people have that critique about the holistic psychologist who I find a lot of meat like a lot of good stuff in her content. But at the same time, she, her whole thing is like, we're all self healers. We're all self healers. There's so much unexamined privilege in that whole idea. Oh yeah. She's been called out multiple times by multiple black, indigenous
1: and Mm -hmm. other people, colored creators. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And also like the whole like empowerment stuff. And like, this is what like, also just given a destination for healing is just inherently, that's just not, I'm sorry. At least from my own experience, it, that's just not true. Like there's no destination. There's no destination. It's just an ongoing journey where you sail on your boat to trauma <laughs> and unpack it and figure out there's more shit to unpack and then you unload. And so it gets a little lighter. It gets a little easier, but yeah, like, and as someone who survived shit multiple times, like, okay, yeah, I've unpacked like the two, I guess nothing's easy. But like, I guess the easier things for my mind to like figure out the last two years. And now I'm unpacking this most un- insidious instance of abuse and trauma, which has been honestly the most painful to unpack for my ex and first love. But is anyone talking about that, about how painful it is to unpack that? No, because we're just talking about empowerment and pretty fine trauma. And that's just not real. It's just yeah. not real at all. <laughs>
0: we're just getting on Canva and picking branding colors and pretty fonts and posting these kind of fluffy, you know, like motivational poster quotes and then posting them to our Instagram and then getting white people to engage and be like, wow, that's so deep. Wow, that's just so what I needed. And like y'all, I mean, so much of my content is me speaking my experience and I get called out, you know? And I try to show up for that. Um, but as always, like we have to be critical of people who are, I, I definitely don't have any show up as like, um, a, a trauma or survivorship expert in any way, but just in the polyamory space, I guess. Um, but we have to be critical of the content that we're consuming always.
1: Yeah. And that's why I like had to move away from the survivorship space. Cause I don't like, I have trauma and sometimes I like talking about it, but I don't like talking about it all the time. It just, it honestly makes me more sad to
0: talk well, about it it- all the time. It's been commodified for sure. And you hear this a lot in the 12 step spaces where, you know, so much of 12 step is reliving your story, especially if you're chairing a meeting or you're asked to speak at a meeting, you have to share your wisdom, hope, and strength, or I forget what the slogan is. And I love it because on one hand, it's people doing shadow work, right? Mm -hmm. People completely owning their shadow sides, the fucked up things they did, the way that they hurt people. Um, which can be really powerful. But at the same time, a lot of times it keeps us stuck in a story, a story that we're like, okay, I've healed past that. I'm ready to be around fellow people, but can we make a meeting? Not about that, not about reliving this old story. Yeah. Also like
1: in the survivorship Instagram space, it's like trauma is a trait. And I'm just like, no, Having trauma is not a personality trait. I don't want that to be my personality trait. <laughs> and also like what else I've noticed. Oh God, there was another thing that I like was going to say about survivorship, but then I like forgot it. PTSD.
0: <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to talk about too, and that we talked about is the way that people then share their trauma without getting consent first.
1: Oh yeah, um, that too. Trauma dumping. That's like yeah. a big Thing just in general, and I'm just like, ah, let's not do this. I yeah. get that, but also please ask me if I have the energy first, because yeah, uh, I've well, noticed that yeah. a lot of people like to do that to me, and I'm just like, okay, but also uh, I need to take care of myself and like take, like put my oxygen mask on before I can help
0: anyone else. Totally. Well, and I think like imagine somebody whose entire Instagram or TikTok is all trauma this survivorship industrial complex, like that's, it becomes their entire personality. It's not even a trait anymore. It's the entire personality. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say like, if that is what is giving you a reason to live, I'm not here to tell you not to do that. But I think that your critique is super fucking valid.
1: And also like, there's also not a lot of nuance. So like something that I'm starting to come out about, And I guess for the first time talking about in a public space, this podcast is reactive abuse and how I wasn't necessarily the best. It wasn't the same level of harm as my ex-partner and first love. Like, don't get me wrong. Those were different levels of harm, but I still harmed him. And that is something that I'm owning up to. And that's something that I own up to in interpersonal spaces with personal relationships that I have. And that's also been really fucking hard to like, say to like these people that I really, really love and value and enjoy their company. This is something that I did two years ago. I need you to know this because this is part of my healing process that I'm in right now, but the survivorship community doesn't really talk about reactive abuse. It's stigmatized.
0: Damn. But I hold that space for you and thank you for being so authentic with me. And I relate now. I, I really see why you relate so much to that to that story that I dropped on my close friends list because I do try to go there and see that that I didn't know there was a term for it. The reactive, what did you call it? Reactive it's abuse. Reactive, reactive abuse. Harm.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. cool. that's what I learned from like another friend. I think another survivor or no, two of my friends who are also survivors who also happen to be polyamorous friends of color. They like taught me that term and I was like, oh, that's what was happening. And also I'm not a bad person because I have this talk with my therapist and like to this day, I still feel shame and guilt over it.
0: Mm, I can't wait to get you in my shadow work class. I no, I can't wait till because... that shadow workshop. <laughs> It's going to be so good. I'm actually turning it into a class because the shadow workshop went really well, but it was too much information for mm-hmm. one workshop. And so I'm actually revamping it to be spread out over the course of a month, which will be amazing because it will allow us to actually do shadow work from an accountability standpoint and see the shift in our lives. Um, okay. So we have a few more minutes. I want to talk about how you moved away from all of that stuff in your content when you are showing up in in the Instagram space, and I love that you drew that boundary for yourself. You are moving toward polyamory content because you said it brings you joy, and I want to talk about how it brings you joy. It brings me
1: joy because polyamory was something that I never had when I was surviving all that shit. It was something that I yearned and craved for and felt guilty about. But now that I'm in the space that I'm like actually practicing polyamory with people in my life and I guess kind of relationship or anarchy to, uh, to an extent, um, it brings me a lot of joy because I love talking about breakups because I had to break up with so many parts of myself two years ago when I went through that breakup and I thought it was the end of the world. I really did. <laughs> and I thought I would never find love again, which I'm like, now I look back and I'm like, Really?
0: I do it every time. Every fucking, there is not a single breakup where I don't go through that, but I love this breaking up with the pieces of yourself that were in that relationship. That is making me very emotional right now. (sighs) And
1: like, that brings me so much joy to talk about breakups because breakups are also framed as less like there's a binary and there's a bad guy and a good guy in the relationship. And therefore like, but actually the ex that I am now processing this abuse from, we ended on mutual terms. It was mutually ended. It was really hard for the both of us. I remember two years ago and now I'm <laughs> <here> <laughs> as this like completely different version of myself. And I'm really proud that I've gotten to this point. Cause it took a fuck ton of therapy and, uh, and all of that to get here and like, that's what I want to talk about because it brings me joy and it brings me, I get to talk about nuances and I still get to talk about abuse to an extent, but in a way that's actually empowering and actually nuanced that people I think need right now Mm. because we're thrown these binary things constantly by social media. And it's just like, Refreshing to actually have
0: nuance. I love that. And by the binary, and whenever you see a binary, you know you're in white supremacy. I love that concept. You gave me that concept. So thank you for that.
1: You're welcome. Also, like, also something that I realized after that, after those two breakups with those cis men who were, well, one of them wasn't awful. The other one was a total piece of shit. My first love was a total piece of shit is that I finally came to realizations about my gender and why performing womanhood was just not it for me. Mm. And then I realized in quarantine or in this lockdown that we've been in or semi-lockdown that I'm actually a non-binary femme. And that's why those relationships felt so constricted for me and restricted because I wasn't able to be this polyamorous non-binary femme human that I am and that I get to be today. And I'm so happy that I get to you know, finally live my life (laughs) instead of just like wishing, which is what I was doing like the last two years. And now I'm like, oh shit, I can do all these things and people love me and I get to be appreciated way more than I ever thought that it would be.
0: Oh my God. See, and this is perfect because I was just going to end this by saying, I fucking love you. I adore you. I love your brain. I love your creativity. I love your content. I love your energy. I love the way you show up in this space. I love the way you hold people accountable and the emotional labor that you provide that you don't have to provide. So I just want to shower you with my love for you right now, because I'm seriously so honored. You wanted to collab with me. Oh, thanks Jess. Also when you like
1: the first time you reposted me about like capitalism and when I was being shadow banned, like I really fucking appreciate that because like I get shadow banned all the time. That's why I don't post a lot. Mm,
0: God. And I hate this system and I hate the way I have to use the master's tools to dismantle the house, but I do feel like it's one way for me to use my privilege. And so, you know, I'm just going hard until the day I get taken down, I guess.
1: yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. This is also just an awesome ending to the weekend. Like I was looking forward to this conversation. Yeah. I had a really good day today. So like this conversation is really like the, what the cherry on the ice or whatever that phrase is.
0: The cherry on the something. Um, so real quick for people, if you're listening to this right now and you want to send this fabulous artist money, do you have, can I just put your Venmo in the, in the iTunes details? Yeah, you
1: can my Venmo, my PayPal is being iffy right now. But uh, you can put my Venmo and my Cash App. I also have a website. And after I find this full-time job, I'm going to be opening up here support sessions because I was also inspired by you and the other folks in the polyamorous community
0: to offer that. And because yes. I get to be fucking creative again when I have this full-time yes. job you should. And so check out the information in wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, head to the information. If you're a white person listening to this right now, you need to send Sydney money right now that needs to happen. Um, and this will not be our last combo. This was just the first date is what I like to say. We're going to go on future dates and yes, I can't wait to check in with you soon. I hope you have such a great weekend and I'm just so grateful that you exist. Thank you, Jess. <laughs> Bye. Bye I fall in love just a little little bit every day with someone new I fall in love just a little a little bit every day with someone new